0: This morning's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 2. I'll be reading verses 21 to 40. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation So that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, who was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. and the child grew strong and, grew, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him.:
1: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word, for its power, for the life that it gives. And we ask now that your Holy Spirit would be with us, illuminating your very words, speaking to us, convicting us, changing us, and that we would see Jesus in these words. So it's in his name we pray. Amen. So throughout our lives, uh, at various points, we've been acquainted with uh, the idea of, of presentation. Um, I don't know if they still do show and tell in, in preschool and in the kindergarten uh, these days, but uh, show and tell, you know, uh, the, the child, you know, picks something that he or she is super jazzed about or, or excited about and, and goes up in front of the class and, and, and shows off, uh, you know, presents whatever it is, and, and hopefully the kids in the class aren't, aren't bored and, and think it's really cool. Um, a little bit later in life, uh, perhaps still in school, uh, maybe a project that you're working on, and, and you get up in, in front of the class and and present the project, which uh, can be very daunting, you know, to uh, to, to many students. Uh, and then fast forward even later in life, uh, if you're an adult and uh, maybe you work at a job and and have different, uh, you know, presentations that you make, perhaps in front of a client, um, you know, or or whatever the situation is. Uh, and I think the idea of presentation becomes even more meaningful and special when it comes to a person itself. Uh, you know, we have friends, and if they have a baby, uh, you know, you, you talk to your friend and, and they say to you, when are you going to come over and see the baby? Uh, you know, they just can't wait to, uh, to show off uh, the baby to, uh, you know, th- this newborn that God has given them. And uh, they're just, you know, super excited at the, the idea of you coming to, to see the baby. And then, perhaps even in a more special way, when there's a baptism or or a christening, you know, just uh, what a, a meaningful event you know that that is for the parents and for uh, the family. When our passage today, we have uh, this kind of presentation uh, that takes place, and it's really the, the presentation to end all presentations. Uh, it is of the child Jesus, and we see in this passage in Luke really uh, a meshing of both the mundane and the extraordinary. Uh, the mundane being, you know, the, the religious practices of the Jews. Um, but the extraordinary is we will, you know, go through this passage and see the events unfold, just what God was doing in the temple presenting Jesus the child. The temple was hugely important, you know, for the Jewish people. Uh, it was, after all, the center of Jewish worship. It was the place where God came down to uh, meet with his people uh, in worship. So today we're going to look at three character snapshots in this passage, all of whom testify to Jesus, the child being sent to save. The three character snapshots we're going to look at are Joseph and Mary, Simeon, and Anna. So the first snapshot is of Joseph and Mary, the parents of Jesus. We see in verse 21 that they name the child Jesus uh, over Christmas, I was uh, with my family, and we were having dinner, all of us, and um, my brother and sister-in-law are expecting their first child, so we were having a discussion of different names that they're, uh, you know, kicking around, uh, you know, to name uh, their child, and it was a really uh, fun conversation, uh, but with, with with Jesus, it's not a name that Joseph and Mary picked. It was the name uh, given to them uh, before conception by the angel Gabriel in Luke 131. The name Jesus means he saves, and it's this name Jesus or Joshua. uh, It it was a very common name in the Old Testament, Uh, and it's the commonness of this name that tells us that Jesus came to identify closely with his brothers and sisters, putting on flesh, putting on humanity, and walking among us. Jesus was born a Jew and raised in a Jewish home to Jewish parents, and this is not insignificant. Uh, he was not born at some random time in history, but uh, at a time that, that God chose uh, and that God ordained. Joseph and Mary circumcised Jesus, uh, as we see in verse 21, on the eighth day, in accordance with the Old Testament command of the covenant that God gave Abraham back in Genesis 17. They took Jesus, the child, their firstborn son, uh, up to Jerusalem to follow the customs uh, of the Jewish law to present him, uh, to consecrate him to the Lord as their firstborn son. Uh, we see here uh, the idea of purification in this passage, and the fact is Mary was rendered unclean because of giving birth. Uh, Leviticus 12 describes that when a, a woman gave birth, uh, we all know their, their messy affairs and uh, the discharge of blood made Mary unclean, Uh, for eight days until the circumcision, Uh, and in fact 33 days after the circumcision, Mary was still considered impure according to these regulations of the Old Testament, and therefore she was required to make a ceremonial offering uh, for her purification. And we see here the picture of uh, purifying and preparing oneself uh, to come before God in worship. Luke also tells us in verse 24 uh, that they made an offering of, of turtle doves or pigeons. And this was uh, allowed for for those families who uh, were poor or who were of less wealth uh, than other families that could not afford to purchase a lamb for the sacrifice of purification. And we see her, the, the humble origins of, of Jesus, uh, being born to parents who were not uh, super wealthy. Joseph and Mary followed these laws, they followed these customs uh, of the Jewish law, not in a a legalistic sense, uh, but rather out of obedience to God, out of a willingness to be used to accomplish God's purposes. Uh, At the end of the passage in verse 39, uh, it forms a kind of bookend here. Uh, We see that they followed uh, every single part of the Jewish law and custom, uh, so we see with Joseph and Mary a, a piousness, a, you know, a religious devotion, uh, a willingness to to be obedient to God, to be used of Him. Uh, we see here also the beginning uh, of God's divine purposes being revealed uh, throughout this drama as it unfolds in the temple. Uh, God is that great director here. Uh, you know, think of the the great Hollywood directors, right? Like a Steven Spielberg. And uh, you just think of uh, the respect that he has and the, the authority that he commands on the set. Well, and in so much more ways, uh, that is you know, what God is, is doing here. He is that director. He is choreographing this incredible drama as it unfolds in the temple, directing Mary and Joseph as they travel to Jerusalem. So Joseph and Mary, the parents of Jesus, serve to present Jesus, the child, as Savior. The second character snapshot, if you will, uh, is of Simeon. Uh, now, we don't know a lot about this man, Simeon. We don't exactly know what his profession was, uh, but we do know, uh, Luke tells us, that he was religious and devout. Luke describes Simeon uh, as someone who was of, of high character, uh, someone who was credible to speak the truth about what he was witnessing. He was a kind of wise elder, you know, one of those guys that people would, would come up to and, and, and pick his brain and, and ask you know, for counsel, ask for wisdom. You know, he had that kind of reputation within the Jewish community. Simeon also represented the very best of those in Israel who were waiting in fervent expectation for deliverance, for redemption, Uh, waiting for there to be no more oppression from their enemies, no more exile. Uh, In verse 25, if you look with me there, uh, we see the words consolation of Israel. Uh, This was what Simeon was waiting for, uh, the consolation of Israel. It was the hope of Israel, the hope of being restored, uh, of being rescued, of being comforted by God in the way of salvation. And it's quite amazing that uh, in this passage, Luke mentions the Holy Spirit three times. Uh, The Greek word for Holy Spirit, uh, for the third person of the Godhead, uh, it means consoler, it means comforter. Uh, So we see the connection there uh, with the consolation of Israel. Uh, Luke says that, that Simeon was filled by the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Holy Spirit. Uh, which once again shows God's direction here. It shows uh, God's divine purposes, that this was no random occurrence in the temple. In verse 26, we see that the Holy Spirit tells Simeon in, in, in a way of you know, giving him an oracle that you will not die until you see the Messiah sent by God. So what does Simeon do? He breaks out in a, in a song and proclaims, my eyes have seen your salvation. One commentator notes about these words here uh, that Simeon doesn't say, I have seen the Messiah. Uh, rather, he has seen God's salvation. So the commentator says that to see Jesus is to see salvation. Not only for Simeon, not only for the Jewish people, uh, but as the passage conveys also for the Gentiles, too, uh, that God would reveal his good news uh, not only to the Jewish people, uh, but for all peoples all over the world. And what a picture this is, you know, as we try to imagine, uh, you know, the the visual here of Simeon, who has been waiting so long to see God's salvation. Uh, It is likely that he was an elderly man, not exactly sure of his age, but that's the implication there. He had been waiting his whole life for this salvation, and now he holds this very baby up in his arms, this child in whom salvation rests. Uh, just what an incredible picture, uh, and now he can die in peace. Imagine you know, the, the emotions that, that were going on uh, with this man, uh, Simeon. But not everything in, in the song was, was uplifting, was rosy, uh, so to speak. There are words that are, uh, you know, of darker tones uh, in this song uh, of Simeon. And at one point, he directs his words uh, to Mary, Jesus' mother. Uh, he says in verse 34 that this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. The truth is, Jesus is that great divider. Uh, he's, he's the great revealer uh, in that many do come to him in belief, but many also would reject him. Uh, many of those in Israel, you know, would not come to see Jesus for who he truly is, but would rather uh, reject him. Uh, listen to the words uh, from Isaiah eight fourteen and 15 in the Old Testament. And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel. A trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and not be broken. They shall be snared and taken. We also see here uh, the weight of Jesus' mission and how it weighed on Mary, his mother. Uh, Simeon speaks these words A sword will pierce through your o- own soul. And the fact is, Jesus' mission would bring pain and sorrow to his mother Mary as she witnessed this rejection uh, at times in his life and eventually would see her son hanging on a cross, being crucified. For those of you who are mothers, uh, you know the pain and and sorrow you feel uh, when your child feels pain and sorrow. So we can imagine how acute Uh, Mary's sorrow was, at times, you know, seeing her very son uh, being rejected and dying on the cross. So we see here as well how Simeon serves to present Jesus, the child, as Savior. The third character snapshot is that of Anna. Uh, Luke also paints her as someone who was a very high character, uh, someone very credible to witness to the events that were being revealed in the temple. We're told that Anna was a, a prophetess, uh, and there weren't many prophetesses uh, at, that, at that time. Uh, in the Old Testament, we see several women uh, who had this special calling uh, of prophetess, uh, but they weren't that common in those days. So I think that shows us uh, the special uh, favor that God had upon Anna, the special calling uh, that he made on her life. Uh she was probably a woman of great wisdom, uh, and, uh, just like Simeon, you know, a person who you know people would come up to and and just you know sit at the feet of uh, and glean you know from her wisdom. Also like Simeon, Anna represented the, the very best of those in Israel who were eagerly awaiting for the redemption of Israel for salvation. Anna served God faithfully in the temple for many, many years. Uh, Lou tells us that she was a widow, uh, and this is just most significant uh, when it comes to thinking of, of Anna and her character. Uh, he writes that she spent her days worshiping with fasting and with prayer. Uh, her steadfastness is just on full display here, uh, and it's also possible, as one commentator wrote, that her fasting was done in part to mourn the fact that she was a widow. And it's interesting, uh, some, some take 84 to be literal, that Anna was 84 years old uh, at this time. Uh, but other scholars look at the construction of the language and say, well, no, she, she had been a widow for 84 years. So if we do some quick math here, uh, women got married younger in those days, and, and, and it was thought that she might have been around 14 when she got married, uh, and we're told in the passage that she was a widow for seven years, So 14 plus 7 is 21. Uh, So if you add 21 to 84, that would make her 105. Uh, So whether she's 84 or whether she's 105, uh, the point is she was at a very advanced age, and she was content with being God's servant in her twilight years. We don't know exactly what Anna said, but Luke felt compelled uh, to include her in this incredible drama, as she also was being directed and led and filled by God to testify to Jesus and to bring praise to God. So Anna also serves to present Jesus, the child, as Savior. I listened to the words of a pastor named Warren Wearsby, uh, you know, speaking to this passage. Uh, He says, quote, God's timing is always perfect. Anna came up just as Simeon was praising the Lord for the child Jesus, so she joined in the song. I would like to have heard these elderly people singing in the temple. Their praise was inspired by the Spirit of God, and God accepted it, Unquote. Well, brothers and sisters, as we uh, consider this, this narrative, this incredible drama that, that went on in the temple with Jesus being presented Uh, We think of Joseph and Mary and Simeon and Anna, and we look to them as examples that we can follow, Uh, their piousness, their obedience, their devotion, their willingness to be used of God in whatever way that he designed. Uh, Their their faith was on display uh, in incredible ways in this drama. And for us, uh, you can serve God no matter your age, no matter your gifts, no matter your personality. Uh, No matter where God places you, there is no uh, insignificant situation that God puts you in. We can serve God faithfully uh, to the end of our life. Um, I was talking to my mother uh, over Christmas uh, when I was visiting with my family, and and she was uh, speaking of a a dear woman uh, at her church uh, named Jeanette, 91 years old, uh, also a widow like like Anna in the passage, and uh, she was painting the picture of, of this woman just in, in incredible ways and, and just just you know, saying how this woman at 91 still drives her car, uh, still comes to pretty much every event at the church. Uh, she's a prayer warrior. Uh, you know, she's just always looking for ways that, that she can serve, that she can speak Jesus into people's lives, you know, asking the question at all times, you know, what can I do here? Uh, how can I be used of, of God? Uh, just a very humble woman. And uh, my mom was saying that she just loves being around this, this woman uh, just because this woman just gives off that aroma of, of Jesus and just makes you want to, to know Jesus uh, more deeply. And I just thought of uh, just how, how awesome uh, it was that this woman at 91 years old is still faithfully serving God in so many ways. And then as we consider this passage, this passage uh, do we see Jesus for who he truly is, as he is presented here in this Luke passage? Not merely as a wise teacher, not merely as a, a moral guide, uh, not merely as a man who uh, you know, spoke uh, some platitudes that can be helpful for our lives every now and then, but as the Son of God who came in the flesh uh, to save you and me from our sins. It is this Jesus who would grow up in wisdom Uh, who would grow up with favor from God his Father, as Luke tells us in verse 40, living obediently unto God at every turn. So it's through faith in Jesus that we are saved by that perfect life that he lived. We are saved by the death that he died on the cross sacrificially, taking upon himself the punishment for our sin that we deserve. Brothers and sisters, what are the things in our lives that that we are looking to for salvation, for identity, security, acceptance, fulfillment? In what or in whom are we truly hoping in? So let us, like Joseph and Mary, like Simeon, like Anna, look nowhere else but at Jesus for the Messiah that he is, for the life that he gives, for the forgiveness of sins, that he offers for the salvation that he has accomplished. Let's pray.